0: Welcome to the All American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Randy Griffin. I feel like, in some ways, I need to uh, introduce myself. I've uh, unfortunately have been gone for about the last two or three Sundays, as things go around here. Uh, But uh, it's always good to be back at the All American Chapel to see your faces uh, and to know that. that we are a family in uh, in the Lord. Today we're going to finish our series of sermons that we have been calling the spiritual disciplines. And I hope that you've been at least partly paying attention to the scripture that we've been reading from 1 Timothy each week. We purposely chose to read that passage of scripture every week uh, so that we are reminded of what the warning is from Timothy of not being disciplined in our Christian life. Failing to do that will put us in in the category of those who will eventually fall away from the faith and believe any kind of doctrine or teaching or new idea that's out there. And you don't want that to happen to you as a child of God because you will never be stable in your Christian walk, in your Christian faith. It's growth and maturity in our relationship with God and our spiritual discipline of reading, meditating on, and and studying the Word of God because that's where discipline happens. As you get into the Word of God and allow this book and these words to permeate into your conscience and mind and spirit and heart, that's where growth begins to take place. And throughout this this series of sermons, we've heard our preaching team preach on topics such as the discipline of prayer, of worship, of submission, of service of stewardship, and what that looks like for a child of God. And so today we're going to conclude this series of sermons with a topic that that I think for a lot of Christians might be just a little uncomfortable, might just be a little uneasy for us to hear about. But that's okay. We don't, we don't shy away from, uh, from hard stuff at All-American Chapel, do we? No, we preach the entire council of what the Word of God says that we should preach. So today I want us to look at the discipline of evangelism. The discipline of evangelism. I'm going to be drawing my sermon from the text in Matthew 28. So if you want to turn there, uh, we'll, we'll work ourselves towards that. Matthew chapter 28. The discipline of evangelism. You know, just that word alone, evangelism, I think brings a bit of anxiety to a lot of Christians. It just sounds so religious. It sounds so spiritual. It sounds so super holy. And for a lot of Christians, when it comes to this idea of evangelism, a lot of Christians have this idea, well, chaplain? That's what you get paid to do, right? Isn't that what you went to school for? Isn't that what you did all that extra training in in theology and all of the other things that seminary teaches and prepares? That's that's your job, chaplain. I I don't have anything to do with this with this evangelism stuff. Evangelism, I think, is one area of a lot of Christians' lives that few take seriously. So, why is that? Why is that? That few Christians take the discipline of evangelism seriously. Ultimately, I think for a lot of Christians, the greatest hindrance to evangelism is fear is fear fear of knowing of not really knowing what to say to someone else fear of rejection that if you do share your faith that you may be rejected fear of violating The PC norms of our day. Oh, you can't talk about that. You can talk about everything else, all the garbage and trash of the world, but, oh, don't talk about God and Jesus and faith and salvation. That's that's not acceptable. So a lot of Christians, I think, steer away from it because of that. Or just fear in general. Of not really understanding how to share your story of faith with someone else. I think for other Christians, the discipline of evangelism has been wrongly tied, if you would, to some formal process that you have to go through. You have to present this exact plan. They have to pray an exact prayer. And if that doesn't happen, well, it can't be real. And so we get too wrapped around the axle on process when it comes to evangelism. So today, I I just want to try and take away some of the mystery and some of the fear related to the discipline of evangelism. I think the best approach to evangelism is the KISS method. Keep it simple, soldier. Aha! You thought you knew what I was going to say, didn't you? I would never call you guys that. Never. It's the KISS method. Keep it simple. Evangelism is simply sharing your story of faith, your story of salvation with someone else. That's it in a nutshell. But the definition that I love more than any other definition Evangelism is nothing more than one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Write that down. If you don't take away anything else I say today, evangelism is nothing more than one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread that's it that's it so to have a successful approach to the discipline of evangelism the first thing we have to do is we have to get beyond the term you and I we must understand that when it comes to the discipline of evangelism that we are simply a vessel that God can use. We're just a vessel. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work in the heart of the one that we're sharing our story of faith with. It's not about us church. It is not about us in any way. The text that we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 28, this text is known as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. And I want us to see from this passage of scripture what I think are simply five elements needed to be successful in evangelism. Just in the way of historical context, this scene that's recorded for us here in Matthew 28, it obviously took place after the resurrection of Jesus. From his death on the cross and his 40 days he spent between his resurrection and the ascension. This scene that we have recorded for us in Matthew 28 is one of those post-resurrection appearances of, of Jesus. Jesus instructs his disciples to meet him at a mountain in Galilee. We're not given details, but obviously we know that this was a familiar place that the disciples had no doubt been before with Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, meet me here. Now, once again, as you read the account, it's obvious that a lot more than his 11 disciples showed up at this place, at this mountain. And a lot of scholars think that because of the crowd that showed up, that this is probably the the post-resurrection appearance that's recorded for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one gathering. This could be that very post-resurrection appearance. The crowd was made up of mostly believers, but but not all of them. And they came with their weaknesses, they came with their questions, they came with confusion, with fear, with bewilderment of how Jesus had wound up dying on a cross. How did that happen? How did that happen? For the vast majority of the crowd that showed up, this would have been the first opportunity to witness the risen Christ, the resurrected Jesus. To so look with me at Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. I want you to see the first element of evangelism is availability availability. We read in verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The 11 disciples went to Galilee. It all starts with showing up, with showing up. You know, it doesn't matter how many other talents, how many other abilities you may possess. The greatest ability is availability. Showing up, being available. The disciples were obedient. They showed up exactly where Jesus told them to meet him. You know, I just remind us today that Jesus is just looking for simple obedience. It's not the elite of the world. It's not the noble. It's not the mighty that Jesus uses. It's the poor. It's the common. It's the, the ignoble. Those who put faith in Christ and make themselves available, those are the ones that God will use to spread the gospel, the good news of his resurrection. Nothing happens. Nothing happens except to those who are available to make it happen. When Isaiah spoke and he said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. He was reiterating the point of availability. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And the same is true for us today. We just simply need to say, Here am I, Lord. I'm available. Send me. So in some open field next to a mountain in Galilee, far from the crowds of Jerusalem, this group gathered together to see the risen Christ and to make themselves available to whatever Jesus would instruct them to do. But there's a second element that I think flows out of this text. A necessary ingredient of effective disciple-making is also the element of worship. Look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped him, they prostrated themselves in worship of the risen Christ. They were in awe of Him. They already loved Him. They already trusted in Him. They had already affirmed their, their praise and their adoration of Him. And now, to see the risen Christ and to worship him was the natural response as they saw him in his glorified state. You know, I think too often we we as Christians we we shy away from telling our story of faith because we fail to fully appreciate what we have in Jesus. And the power of his resurrection. That is at the heart, at the very heart of the gospel story, the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have nothing to share with other people. Our faith is no different than any of the other faiths that are out there, it is the resurrection that distinguishes the Christian faith from every other denomination or every other major faith group in the world. It's the resurrection. And once we understand how blessed we are to have the power of the resurrection, then that will lead us naturally to a desire to worship Jesus to worship Jesus for who he is. But notice what we read at the end of verse 17. It says, but some doubted. Some doubted. So why does Matthew record that? Why did he he have to include that? Well, I think the answer is simple. Because some doubted. That's the answer. It was true that not everybody in that crowd bought in to believing that that was the resurrected Christ. You know, the Bible is so transparent. The Bible is so honest in its reporting. And the writers of the Bible, they had no reason to try and convince people of the resurrection by some contrived selective reporting. The truth is that some doubted in that crowd on that day. Guess what? Nothing has changed in 2,000 years plus. People are no different today. So as you take the opportunity to share your story of faith, guess what? Not everyone is going to accept what you have to say with open arms. Not everyone is going to just just be in awe of, of what you're sharing with them. There are going to be those who doubt. There are going to be skeptics. But once again, that's okay. You don't have to worry about that. Your job is simply to share your story of faith as God allows you to share that. And let the Holy Spirit do his work of convincing and convicting those doubters and those skeptics. So in an effort to help make disciples, the first step is availability. The second step is worship of the risen Christ. I want you to see the third element of evangelism. It's found in verse 18. We read, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The third element of evangelism I think that we see flowing from this text is submission. Submission. Now, we had a complete sermon on the discipline of submission, so I'm not going to belabor that point with you this morning. I just want to draw out a couple of quick thoughts on the word authority. Authority. That word could also be translated permission. All permission is given to me. As Matthew writes his gospel he opens the account of Jesus by introducing Jesus in chapter 1 as a king. As a king. The word king means sovereign. Now as he ends his gospel account in chapter 28, he does the same thing again. He writes, all authority in heaven And on earth has been given to me. That's just another way of Matthew saying that Jesus is a king. But he's not just any king, folks. He is king over all kings, he is sovereign over all sovereigns. He is in charge. Absolutely in charge. So our one and only response to his authority should be submission. Submission. And as we submit and participate in the work of his kingdom, then we will put him in his proper place. And as we practice the discipline of evangelism, that is exactly what we are doing. We are submitting to him and to the work of his kingdom. So to evangelize, we must first be available. We must be filled with awe and wonder that leads to the worship of Jesus. We must be submissive and eager to participate in the purposes of the great King of kings and His kingdom. And if you're available, if you have a heart that desires to worship God and you're submissive to His will, then that will naturally lead to the fourth element of evangelism, obedience. Obedience. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Obedience. Obedience. That's a scary word for a lot of Christians for a lot of people in general. But here we have a command. And whenever we have a command, that comes with a choice. We either choose to obey or we choose to not obey. Well, the assumption here. Is that we choose to obey. Because that word go, it literally means having gone. Having gone. You've made the choice to obey and you are moving out to share your story of faith with others. The assumption is that you're going. That is what is at the very heart of the Great Commission. Going, baptizing, teaching. That's the complete cycle of evangelism. And we will never make disciples unless we are first going or having gone. You ever hope to carry out? the discipline of evangelism, which is the Great Commission, then we have to understand our part starts by going and telling another beggar where to find bread. You know, you may never be directly involved with baptizing a new follower of Jesus. You may not be gifted in the area of teaching but each one of us that has experienced the saving grace of God and we've accepted the gift of salvation then we have a story of faith to share with someone else. That is evangelism in its simplest form. For most the fulfillment of this having gone command, it may be just across the street, sharing your story with a neighbor, with a friend, with a family member. For others, the fulfillment of of having gone, maybe it's across the state, across... The country. Maybe it's to a foreign people group. Lord knows we need a revival of those who would answer the call to be missionaries, to carry the gospel to those who would never hear otherwise. That is exactly what Jesus said in Luke 10. We read, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. That many would answer the call to go, to go. But the discipline of evangelism will only take place as each of us is obedient to the great commission and we go. Go. So it starts with availability. Worship. Submission. Obedience. That's the way we make disciples. The way the Lord said to do it. But there's one final element that I want you to see. And that is the element of power, the element of power. Look at verse 20 with me. We read, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always, Jesus said, to the end of the age. You know, such a noble responsibility, such an eternal task demands something beyond our own resources. And this is what we see here. Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. A better way of really understanding what Jesus is saying there is to know that, that Jesus is not talking about the end of something, but the beginning of something new. He's saying, I am with you till the second coming. That's what Jesus had in mind as he spoke those words. It's not the termination of something, but it's the consummation of everything, of everything. And that's the power that we have in Jesus. That's the uplifting encouragement that we have. He is with us to the very end, to the beginning of the new. He also promised that very same thing in Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. and You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Nothing has changed, folks. His power is still with us today. We have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit We have Emmanuel, God, with us. He is our resource. That's all we need to fulfill the commandment to go and make disciples. So these are the elements that will lead to successfully carrying out the discipline of evangelism. With these elements, availability, worship, submission, obedience, and power, when they're a part of our life, then we will be effective in sharing our story of faith with someone else. With helping another beggar know where to find bread. We must make that decision today, folks. We must decide that we're going to incorporate these elements into our Christian life, into our witness, that we're going to discipline ourselves to train and be prepared to share our story with others. King David said to the people in 1 Chronicles 29, he said, Who is willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord? That's the question for us today. That is the question for us today that we must answer as well. Are we willing to consecrate our service to the Lord? I remind you again, the discipline of evangelism is not about us. It is not about us in any way whatsoever. It's just us being available to share our story and allow the Spirit of God to work in and through those individuals that we would have the opportunity to share our story with. The discipline of evangelism is nothing different than every other spiritual discipline that we've looked at through this entire series. All of these disciplines are there to spur us on to a greater walk with Jesus, to help us grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of our faith and of our relationship to help us be more effective in this world that is more and more hostile to the gospel. Oh, I beg you today, let God use you. Consecrate your service to the Lord today. He will use you in ways that you cannot even imagine. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for The way in which we are told in this text to go, to go and make disciples. Father, help us not to complicate that, help us not to make this process difficult. Because, Lord, it's not. And so I pray, Lord, that as we will close our service in just a moment, that you would deal with the hearts of your people. And I pray, Lord, that you might help those who would need to even come to this altar and say, Lord, I consecrate my service to you today. Use me. Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm available, Lord. I'm obedient, Father. I want to to share my story of faith with someone who needs to hear the good news. Father, I pray, work in the hearts of your people in these closing moments. Use us. Use us, I ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.